Welcome to the Addiction Connection. We like to believe the opposite of addiction is actually connection, and we are going to attempt to educate you and possibly even entertain you while we navigate all topics addiction. Hi, I'm Dr. Kirk Devine. And I'm Dr. Heather Bell, and we both provide primary care and addiction services. It's our goal to help you learn more about the disease of addiction and its treatments. All right, we're back, and... uh, I feel like deja vu. We, we have never tried to do this one before. No. Because we, we don't edit. We don't edit. We have edited one time. Yeah. Because you named a town. We named a town we had to take out. And then... We've never said a bad word that nope. had to be deleted. And No, but we have done this before. Not alone, but We're, we have done this. Yeah, we've kind of started one and went, hold it. That's just... We just said something totally confusing right so i can't even apologize because the reality is is y'all never know um the point of why we're even telling you this is take two of this podcast totally is to show that this is all confusing and Mm. i think even we both of us although this time it was me can talk ourselves in circles yeah and i have things to do at home so uh let's get this done okay so this is episode 120 can't believe people listen to us this much. No, it's just been crazy. How many downloads? Crazy. So it's been crazy. It's super fun though when you like today we I text a friend of ours and she said, Oh my gosh, are your ears edging because she was in the car listening to us talk. <laughs> Why anybody would do that, <laughs> I don't know. Oh man. So anyway, today we're gonna kind of revisit a little bit. The last week we had the clinical pearls. Correct. And had started talking about this random made up patient, non gender human number four. And so we decided in the last episode um, that aired last Thursday, we were going to start this patient on buprenorphine for his inevitable fentanyl use disorder. No other medications this, this person is on, just the Suboxone. We talked about the low dose versus high dose induction. And so, anyway, they're now coming back. And in real life, we would see them a couple times yeah. the first week, maybe weekly after that. So we've done all that. It's now a month later, and the patient is returning for the one-month follow-up. And they're like, hey. Hey, I've, dude. I've had a lot of trouble with anxiety and depression, and, and I am struggling. And your nurse, your nurse does a PHQ-9 and a GAD-7. And they're both Eight. Yeah. Eight. Eight. So anyway, he she mentions that this, this is, person this person mentions that has had issues with anxiety and depression in the past and has been on bupropion and sertraline together in the past, but has taken them pretty on and off mm. sporadically. Don't know what that means yet, and quote unquote forever. And so there's multiple teaching points here. Uh, the first one being anything else you'd want to know. About this patient. Like, what's your first question when you hear this from a patient? Yeah, my first question is, you know, when were you actually diagnosed with this? And were you using things, substances at that time or not? Yours is a little different. You ask differently. No, I think I asked the question. You said you asked the question on when did you start these meds? And I asked the question on when did you get diagnosed? Either way, when did you get diagnosed? When did you start the meds? You know, they've been on them forever. When in their lives was this? Because and I, I typically say, at what age were you diagnosed? Because typically I have that whole substance use assessment form in front of me that says how old they were when they started all their substances. 
just to kind of get a frame of reference. Because if they used marijuana starting at age 15 and then even meth, like 18 or something, or opioids or whatever, but they tell me they were diagnosed with anxiety and depression at 16, I'm already a little skeptical a little bit. Yeah. And a lot of times I think I've seen so many people who felt like they had a lot of anxiety for the last few years, but all those years they've been using substances and frequently in withdrawal. So right. it's like that's what they remember. And and in this case, this uh, this person was actually having these problems for a long, long time. Long, long time. Prior, even prior. So the other teaching point I would say from this is, you know, patient states taking bupropion and sertraline. So I kind of inquire more about that. Were you on one of them first? Were you ever on anything else? How long did you take the other ones or these? Like, how long did you take them consistently? How long did you take them together? Hmm. Kind of that kind of time frame. You actually talk to the patient. That's oh my gosh, talk to him. What else did you crazy. say before in the well, non-existing episode? Let's say that we'd actually done this podcast as a practice run. <laughs> like 30 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think that, that uh, there's just a lot of questions I have. I, I always ask about the family, you know, because, too, I think if I'm going to be starting this patient on medication, that's like, you know, how strong is this in their family as well? Is that going to I think maybe you ask me? about the family to see if they're, like, in your generation, their parents or grandparents maybe. <laughs> no. <laughs> so you can bond over like and let me just pretend things. like I'm not even listening to you. Um but you know that I mean if especially if you have somebody at a month because I think often it's pretty rough water after people have switched to buprenorphine and you know they'll have a month or two where they're kind of the ship's being righted if you will. So it's not unusual for them to be a little a little anxious, a little down. But boy, if they've had they were on these meds prior to the substance use and they've got a family that's had significant problems with uh, depression, anxiety, maybe even suicidality, um, I'm a lot more likely to pull the trigger. Right. Um, Start them right And I away. think especially when it comes to family, if I'm looking at the family form on the intake or we're having that conversation, bipolar, schizophrenia, any kind of psychosis, those are ones I'm a lot more like... I get a lot more questions if they got that, right? Yeah, yeah. So. And, you know, if they're, if they're very, but also if they're very adamant, like, mm -hmm. you know, I need to be back on these meds. They really helped me. I functioned much better on them. Had a job. Had a job, whatever. If they're very adamant about it, I'm not going to argue with a person. Um, I typically like to wait as long as I can. You know, the whole frontal lobe three-month thing. If I can get them to wait three months, great. But depending on where they're at and we have these conversations course i'm gonna consider treatment yeah and so for the sake of learning learning we're gonna assume that this patient was i was just looking across here you actually have an otoscope and a ophthalmoscope <laughs> in your kitchen <laughs> right next to your knives <laughs> what if you grab the wrong one um anyway uh for oh, the sake man. of learning i have four kids like little ones yes three uh, of whom have had a total of like eight sets of tubes combined i'm gonna chop up this tomato with an otoscope? Okay, but anyway, so... When you said grab the wrong one, I was envisioning it the other way around. Yeah, yeah that's Let true. me shove this otoscope, <laughs> I mean, knife in your ear. Yeah, so so for the sake of learning, if anyone can learn anything from us, uh, we're going to say that we started this patient on medications. And both of them simultaneously. Yeah, and both of them simultaneously, although, and, there, and you'll see why we're doing that in a moment, but typically I would start one at a time. That's Pick just, one at a time. That's just what I do. And... If you were to pick one of these two to start first, 
What would you pick? I would always go to the sertraline first. Me too. Um, Bupropion, you know, we've talked about bupropion as a safe med or not a long time ago on the podcast, and you can go back and listen to that. But again, for the sake of learning, we're starting them both. By the way, bupropion is the episode that is the number one episode we ever um, did. Well, Butrin. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. (gasps) Oh, I said it correctly. Where's the. No. No. Oh my gosh. No. There it is. Yeah, thank you very much. Well, I'll be here all week. It's like the first time you've ever said it correctly on the first so, try. I'm so proud of so you. Yeah, you that, have listened. So go you back can and, learn from me. Go back and listen to that episode because then you'll see how people misuse it. But it's like... It's phenomenal. It's like over a thousand... Oh gosh, it's higher than that. Is it downloads? It's a ton. So anyway, uh, so for the sake of learning... I'm two away from 2,000. Yeah, almost 2,000 downloads of that. That was episode 49. It's just Will People Butrin. still go up. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, it's not just anyway. So they come back a few months later. Yeah, so it's been about four months, and you just started the meds again. You've been seeing them. You're not just jumping to four months. You've been seeing them every couple of weeks, monthly, yeah. whatever. But now, for the sake of learning, this you know made a person. You there's really no concerns. Mental health is going well. Um, again, you had restarted these meds, and you are getting your urine drug screens. You know regularly at the office visits. You might not get one here or there. That's yeah. a previous. One of these pearls ones, but this one you get working today. Again. They're they're doing great. Yeah, everything's uh, going well. Everything's great. So all of a sudden you get this urine drug screen and it's positive for amphetamines and positive for benzos. Ooh, do you, know you panic, Doctor Bell? Do you think panic is in order? You know what? I might freak out and have high anxiety at home, but at work with patients, I'm just like same. I'm chill with patients. Mm. And so, so what do you think about these? What do you do with them? Yeah, you know. What do you I'll, do with the patient? What do you do with the urine? I got to be honest, you know. You drink it? I just like, <laughs> um, yeah, the urine. I, uh, you know, I would go right in and say, man, you know, even, you know, just by chance, I mean, have you used anything or taken anything that you didn't chat with me about? And if they say, no, absolutely not. And, you know, again, I think our patients a few months out are very honest. I mean, sometimes I, I mean, they're yeah. even honest, like the, right up. They front. tell you stuff that you don't even want to know. And, uh, and oh, if they I say that, know. you can use it to in lots of ways. Yeah. So if you, you know, the thing you have to think about is the false positives and the false negatives uh, that we see so often and some of the meds that do it. And in this case, these are two meds that are very commonly so, giving false positives. Let's hypothetically say you've been, this patient has been on these two meds for a you know, few months now and you've never had these positive before. Do you get a confirmatory? I mean, a couple mm. of these clinical pearls episodes ago, we talked about when do you get a confirmatory? Do you, Kurt Devine, doctor, get a confirmatory test on this patient? Right I have now? had cases exactly like this, and I typically will do it the first time. And if it's negative and they're on these, I will maybe check it once a year. Yeah, very sporadically. Yeah, I, you know, and I have one lady who's positive benzo all the time, sunsertraline, and I. I check her once a year, and I'm sure every time it's going to be negative. Well, and I think the time of day. Like, why would this person flag positive this time? Like, is it because they take their meds in the morning and they had a morning appointment for the first time, normally afternoon appointment? Although, Dilution of the urine. Dilution of the urine. There's lots of things. Um, They just drank a gallon of water. It's summer, and now it's more concentrated, so now it's the fake positive, false positive. Mm -hmm. You know... 
I mean, you know this. Um, my I husband do. had a positive amphetamine once, uh, or no, a patient was on Vyvanse or Adderall or something, oh, yeah. something that should cause, you know, like Adderall should be a positive amphetamines, negative meth every time. It's just typically that's what it does. Um, and it never was. And so it's like, it was a higher risk individual and they had the patient take the med in the clinic in front of them. Checked his mouth. Checked his mouth. Did the whole thing. And an hour later, patient had their visit, their physical. So still was in the clinic this whole hour, left a urine, still negative. So, you know, people metabolize things differently, but. Can't explain it. In our hypothetical patient here, you get the confirmatory. Everything's negative as far as methamphetamines and benzos. So what caused these positives? I don't know, you know, I'm not a biochemist or anything, but I think it's important to understand that amphetamine is is a one of the most common falsely positives. And so we always have to think of that. Uh, and the list of things that can make just straight amphetamine positive is long. Yes. So I'm not going to list them. Go look for them. <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah, sertraline and several of the benzo or uh, SSRIs will create that false yeah. positive benzo. It's the key takeaway from this fake patient and all these med things is you want to react. I think that's the gut feeling is, oh my God, they're lying to me or, oh my gosh, they're using something else. And I think you hear that a lot in just different clinics and different providers. And the reality is you can't make decisions based on that screening urine. No. I have typed this five times today, so I'm really adamant about it. And I think the thing to remember, too, is that there's very few things that will make meth falsely positive. Uh, one of the anti-Parkinson's, or one of the Parkinson's drugs will. Yes. Sergiline. Selegiline. Selegiline. I can't say it. It's like sledgehammerline. Sledgehammerline. No, never Any, mind. Anyway. <laughs> but there's Come a lot. On. That was a little funny. Yeah. So if, yeah. if your that, amphetamines is positive and your meth is negative... Actually, apparently, with all the research we've done between this fake episode and the <laughs> real one, it's like you don't even have to get a confirmatory. If the meth is... If the meth is negative and the amphetamine is positive, because unless they took their meth a long time ago... But what like, if they took Adderall and they're not prescribed it? Well, okay, yes. I meant okay. if you're screening for... Yes, so, I mean, it's saying if you're screening for just meth, but... Yeah. Okay, touche, you win. Yeah, so remember that methamphetamine turns into amphetamine. The only way you can have an amphetamine without meth if they're using it is if it's very late, like they haven't used for days. Sometimes amphetamine will still be left over. Right. But there'll be no meth. So just keep that in mind. That makes it very difficult. You can't. You still really can't do anything about that. Yeah. But if the meth is positive, just I think the thing to remember, and the amphetamine is negative. They just took their meth. They either just took it. Or it's a false positive. Or they're taking grandma's Parkinson's Sur- meds. Yeah. So, Selegiline. Yeah. Sergiline. I don't know. Sergiline like Sergiline, so I don't want to like give that mess. I'm not a neurologist. I don't need to know how to say that word. I do not prescribe that med. No. I have not ever, I think. No, I think one time. We're, anyway. You know, you know, note to everyone, if you think you need that medicine, don't see me. Especially <laughs> now in the addiction clinic. <laughs> Okay, so I'm just going to really make a quick little tangent with this because we just talked about these false positives. We were talking about all this urine confirmatory testing thing. This is all going to be available very, very, very soon. For those of you who know us, we've written a manual now twice. This is the third round. It is literally getting the finishing touches. There will be an online site we'll give you when we have the exact 
link at hand because I don't have it at hand right now. Um, and any kind of educational materials and or protocols or policies or flyers or things you would use in a clinical practice to make your life easier will all be there. Um, yay, I'm excited. It's yeah. almost over. But, um, so yeah, it'll be on the, the website that we have with Stratus Health. So and it'll be great. Somebody wants like a hard copy, you know, we will talk to Minnesota Department of Health to work on that because that's how they want it combined into a hard copy. So Ooh. thanks right. to a bunch of federal government grants. Are we going to talk anyway, at all about so this last So let's thing? just quickly touch on this. So here's our patient again. It's now a few months later. Again, anxiety, depression, doing well, but the patient is still saying, I am just still very tired. I'm not sleeping. This is just... You know, initially maybe you'd mentioned this and we're like, well, you got to give it time, you know, getting all the substances out, off board and I've been still using, not sleeping. Yeah, I've been using fentanyl for five years or heroin. I've had this opioid use disorder a long time. That's exactly how they say it. No, we're like six months into treatment now. We're still not sleeping. And so. Well, they're not feeling rested. They're not feeling rested. So there's just a few things and we're not going to belabor these because they're in other podcasts, but there's a few things you should really keep in mind for patients who have been on long-term opioids, whether they're long-term prescribed opioids, like chronic yeah. opioid treatment, um, or patients who've used the illicit, so heroin, fentanyls. Um, so this patient, the first thing you got to think, I don't care if they're 22 and a BMI of 19 and healthy at this point, you still got to think about central sleep apnea. I just ordered a sleep study this week. I, I can't tell you how many I've ordered. It's just, ridiculous. Yeah. Apparently there's a shortage of CPAP machines. Yeah. Anyway. And the thing that we have to think about too, especially if people have been on long-term opioids prior to switching to Suboxone, and Suboxone does not typically cause this problem as often, is low testosterone in men. And, and women, women. And women too, but it's a little more gray as to the mortality. Most of the mortality, because it was a, there was the big study was a VA study with men, we know that testosterones can be horribly low after years of using opioids. And all-cause mortality goes up. Right. And so just a few other things to, to the, keep in the back of your mind is, you know, nutritional issues, um, other substance use disorders. And I think this is huge when we're back to the whole amphetamine meth thing because they do often coexist. And so you don't want to ever accuse a patient of using meth if they have that positive amphetamines, but you still always have to be aware of co-occurring use disorders. And there's that one thing called, uh, let me think, oh, a stethoscope. Uh, you need to lay that on their chest because... Especially what? right away, not months later. Yeah, but you know, even if you, you need to listen to their heart, man, make sure they don't have a murmur, they're not feeling crappy and they have a, a, a murmur that was wrecked, or excuse me... <laughs> A valve? A valve that was wrecked. So, yeah, think about endocardial. You know, sometimes those people be kind of sick and feel crappy for a while. So, so you got to think about infectious diseases, the endocarditis, the valves, the, the liver, hepatitis C. Don't forget to screen for these things. These are huge. You want to make sure you're actually, even if you are a family doctor doing this in a primary, especially if you're a family doctor doing this in a primary care clinic, but in yeah. our addiction clinic, we still have to think about these things. Like, this is... As do. a primary care doctor, I always got frustrated when super specialists like miss the rest of the body. And so I think it is important though, like addiction and people with substance use disorders, there's so many things that are all intertwined. Well, so you have to screen for those and we, things. And typically within the first visit or two, we do all the screening for hep C, hep A, hep B, you know, HIV. HIV. Yep. Uh, we added 
um, sexually transmitted infections, syphilis, all those things because yeah. they're huge. Syphilis has been happening. <laughs> Did I say that incorrectly? <laughs> no, but it was funny. And then just the other things that happen to go along with use disorders, you know, ACE scores. What's their trauma history? That that I usually do like immediately in my first visit because I love talking about trauma. But what about the rest of their world? What about the rest of their bubble? Who's their people? Social situations, legal, child protection, mental health. These are things you just have to think about yeah. in patients who you will see. Yeah. The whole patient, Heather. Oh my gosh, it's crazy. Like the patient has all of these organs and thoughts and... Wow, this went better the second time you did it. Because <laughs> I didn't sound like a yeah. total idiot. I was supposed to be home like 45 minutes ago. Eh. I got like... No, I think that's... We have to like quickly, in case my kid actually listens to this, we have to blame my teenager, my yes. almost teenager for kids forgetting their crap and you yeah, have yeah. to like bring it to them yeah i mean Kurt I got, got to bring my kids soccer shorts, uniform yeah. to the school for and me here's the thing because i'm in a cast i've got gopher traps out and i need to get home and check them so i'm yeah. worrying about soccer uniforms and you are bringing about gopher traps serious, see there we cover every demographic serious gopher problem so wow anyway i'm i'm actually hopeful that Next week, which whatever day that is going to be, we get to maybe finish off the sugar addiction or the the issues with older adults because I think your talk on that is just phenomenal. I just complimented you. Um, we want to talk about that because it's an interesting too. talk. It's a it's a it was a most fun talk I've made in a while. It's it's so good. Y'all don't want to miss that. Like opioid use in older adults, whether you do addiction, whether you take care of patients in primary care or anything, unless you are a straight pediatrician, this is pertinent. Yeah. I mean, if you think, ah, somebody's on opioids and they're getting older, but they're doing okay, I'm just going to leave them. Kurt would this say- This is for you. Yeah. Kurt would say, mm, nah, I don't think so. Now you're talking in the third person. It's time to go. <laughs> like Herschel Walker. Herschel thinks. Never mind. You don't even remember him. I do, but- I can't believe that was even funny. Okay. We will see everyone or talk to them next week. Next week. Tuesday. Whenever that day happens to fall. All right. Thank you, Casey. We'll let you take it over. Please rescue us. Whoops. We forgot to add this. <laughs> you just said, we're going to say this, and then you did it. Yes. Like that. So instead of saying goodbye so and Casey take over. there is a weird switch. And it doesn't make sense in the end of this podcast. It's because we decided we needed to add on. I didn't know how to figure that yeah. out electronically. This is not editing. We're just adding on to the end. Adding on. Um, anyway, so something we forgot to mention and that's super uber important is Sam Quinone's, I get to fangirl this one. Sam Quinone's the author of Dreamland. And? And The Least of Us, the most amazing books relating to the opioid epidemic and now fentanyl and all of the above, or fentanyl and meth. I believe that it was Amazon's most sold book in 2020. Dreamland Dreamland, was. yeah. I mean, this dude has spoken at the National Summit. I mean, we've spoken there too, but he's been like a keynote. We've just been in a breakout room. And one email from Heather, and he's signed up for November 2nd. So November 2nd, everybody... From 12.15 to 1.15 Central Standard Time, we have Sam Quinones. I just don't get even. I still want to jump up and down, yeah. but I have a broken leg. And it should be pretty fun. So, so we're going to fly down there and do it in person. We are. Y'all get to log in. So if you want to get the email invite for watching that Echo, that, that other program we do where you get to like be in the presence of this amazing human who are these perfectly phenomenal books who lived in 
And then amongst everything he talks about in his books, um, please email our coordinator extraordinaire, Katie Stengel. It is K-S-T-A-N-G-L at stratushealth.org. And that is at S-T-R-A-T-I-S-H-E-A-L-T-H dot org. And she will get you connected with that link to log in on November 2nd to listen to the Sam Quinones. Check out those books if you have not read them, Dreamland and The Least of Us. And it's at 12.15 to 1.15 every Wednesday. Central Standard Time. Yes. Free CME. Yeah, you get free CME for coming on. So if or it's something, CEUs. If you want to keep coming, you sure can. So we better end. Okay. Casey, thanks. All right, bye. Man is on his way, searching for the mountain tay in the hills of Connemara. Gather up the pots and the oats and can, the mash, the corn, the barley, and the bran. Run like the double from the excise man, keep the smoke from rising barney. Swing to the left, swing to the right, the excise man will dance all night. Drinking up the tay in the broad daylight in the hills of Connemara. Gather up the pots and the oats and can, the mash, the corn, the barley, and the bran. Run like the devil from the excise man, keep the smoke from rising barney. Yelling for the butcher, a quart for Tom, a bottle for old Father John To help the poor old man along in the hills of Connemara Gather up the pots and the oats and can The mash, the corn, the barley and the bran Run like the devil from the excise man Keep the smoke from rising barney Excise men are at the wall Jesus Christ, they're drinking it all In the hills of Connemara Gather up the pots and the oats and can The mash, the corn, the barley and the bran Run like the devil from the excise man Keep the smoke from rising